Go ahead and uh, grab a Bible and turn to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we'll, we'll have the passages on the screen behind me. But this is just a, a tremendous day. And, and uh, you know, Celebration Sunday is, is really becoming kind of a tradition for us here at Stones as we, as we stop and just celebrate all that God is doing uh, in the lives of uh, our congregation. And so we thought it would be a good day to really pause our series in Mark and um, really just share some vision with you about where we're going as a congregation uh, this year. You know, the Bible says where there's no vision, uh, the people perish. And uh, I like to say where there's uh, no vision, the people go to another parish. So, um, so I just want to uh, just make sure that the vision of our church and the mission of our church is really, really clear. And so we, we talk about our mission as just helping people take their next step towards Christ together. And we're going to be talking about some next steps uh, that you can take this year uh, especially this fall, so that you can grow. And, and really the vision that, we, that God has given to us, we, we characterize or describe that in three different words. We, we call it belong, become, and beyond. And so when you think about discipleship is following Jesus, and when you think about that there are Jesus followers all over the world, they have three things in common. And uh, it doesn't matter what race they are, what culture they are, what continent they are, it doesn't matter. They, they all share, disciples share these three things in common. They are a part of a community. They belong to a community. They understand that they're a part of the universal church. And, and that means that that's going to ex be expressed in the local church, where, where there are relationships, where that love for Jesus and love for one another can be expressed in practical ways. And we want to build that here. And we are, we are building that here. And so we want to be a family and, uh, because we are a family. And, and, then, and then the second B word is really the word become. And, and, so, and so we know that God is doing a work in us to make us more and more like his son Jesus. And we call that becoming like Jesus. And so the work that he has started in us, he will carry it on to completion. And that work is is really refining and making our character into the character of his son. And so we do that through the knowledge of his word, through the knowledge of scripture. And then third, we talk about going beyond. And that is that we're not here to just take up space on this planet. We're not here just to live for ourselves. We are here to give of ourselves and, and to make a difference, to make a kingdom difference, to make uh, a difference in, our, in the lives of other people by serving them and sharing really the good news. And so that's really what we are about here at Stones. And so as we think about this particular Sunday, this is the Sunday before school starts. And uh, this is a great time to kind of celebrate and kind of think about where we're going as a congregation, because this is the time where most people are really back from their summer vacations. And I think the question that I really want to challenge you with today is, where are you going to plug in and grow this fall? You know, where are you going to build the kingdom? How is God going to use you to serve and make a difference in the lives of other people? And that's something you really need to be thinking about today. And it's a, it's, it's a very important set of questions. And I would say that the starting point uh, for these questions really is the Word of God. And I want to show you a passage of Scripture uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 42 through 47. This is one of my favorite passages. I, I preach on it at least once a year, and uh, we're going to look at it again uh, this morning. But I think it really encapsulates 
and summarizes really the vision that God has given for us as a church. So I'm going to ask, if you're willing and able, would you please stand just out of reverence uh, for the word of God being shared with us uh, today, that he loves us and he directs us uh, through the, the provision of his word. And so Luke writes this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but not the word of God. It lasts forever. You may be seated. You know, I've often wondered how many Christians have kind of launched out from church, have you know, kind of left the church for what they thought uh, were really good reasons, uh, only to find out that uh, what they were really looking for could only be found in the place that they just left. And uh, there are just a lot of people in our community today that, um, you know, that, that profess faith in Christ, but they won't, they won't step one foot inside the door of a church. And uh, for a lot of these folks, some people avoid or leave the church because they, they've experienced some kind of hypocrisy in their life. They've witnessed it, and it really disillusioned them. It, it really disappointed them. And I think what they don't really realize is that hypocrisy has been around in church since the beginning of the church. That if you read through the New Testament, if you look at it carefully, what, what it's communicating to us, that there are all kinds of churches represented in the New Testament and they were filled with hypocrisy. They, they, they had rivalry, they had heresy, they had immorality, uh, they had superficiality in them. And the reality is, is that there's hypocrisy in the church because there's hypocrisy in me and in you. And so instead of making us disillusioned with God's word and with a relationship with God, if anything, it should drive us to his word and to the grace of God. Because if anything, it shows us how much we need his grace and truth in our lives. But for a lot of people, it just takes them out. Other people are taken out from church because they've, they've been personally burned or betrayed by a, a church experience or maybe by a leader in the church. So they, they willingly choose to step away. And the reality is, is people will let you down. People will always fail you. But the only person that will never let you down is Jesus Christ. And then for others, the problem is not really hypocrisy or being burned. The problem is just they're just bored. They're just bored with church, right? They're not really growing in their relationship with God. They're stalled. They're compromised in their relationship with God. And so what happens is really church just becomes a routine. It's just something we go through the motions with. And uh, we feel good about ourselves because we checked that box. But there's really no life in them. And so the question then becomes, well, how can something that, you know, strikes some, some as, you know, riddled with hypocrisy and others as boring, how can that be so essential to our spiritual growth and our spiritual survival? I think it's a, an important question for us to consider. And I think a big part of the problem is we misunderstand the nature of church. And, and this misunderstanding is often revealed in our language, how we speak about the church, 
Because we'll make the comment, you know, I'm going to church. And we speak of going to church as if we're going to Kroger, you know, if we're going to Target. We see church as a place where we, where we go and where we leave rather than a place that we live every single day. And I think the early Christians, you know, when you ask them, you know, they, they, would, they would tell you they, they never talked about going to church. They talked about being the church. You see, nowhere is this more apparent than in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. You see an amazing, you know, picture of what the church was really about. And um, it's, it's absolutely breathtaking when you, when you consider the vision that God's kind of painted for us as a congregation. But what's interesting is verse 41. And we didn't read verse 41 because verse 41 really kind of sets up the passage that we're going to look at. But, but basically verse 41 tells us that after Peter preached a sermon at Pentecost, he gave an invitation and 3,000 people, 3,000 souls were added to their number that day. What an amazing harvest. What an amazing message that day. What an amazing movement of God's spirit in the hearts and minds of the people that day. And I think the thing that we can't miss with that is, is really just the reality that that's not the, that's not the end of the story, church. That's just the beginning of the story. Like we kind of just end it right there. You know, 3,000 souls were added to the church. Well, praise God. You know, they lived happily ever after. But that's, that's just the beginning of the story because verse 42 tells us what they did next that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, to fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, what, what are we to make of this? Well, I think very simply that those who just experienced salvation, they simply didn't go to church. They were committed to being the church. They had been transformed. They'd been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit at working in their life. And it, and it was and it was completely a radical transformation that happened in their life. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean life went great. It doesn't mean life was easy. But it meant that, man, they're different now. And so they had devoted themselves to, you know, to some radically different things that, than what they were devoted to earlier on. So what I want to do this morning, church, is I, I want to share with you as best as I can um, really the vision that God has given us as a congregation and and I think what we see in this passage really are just four marks of a strong church. But these four marks really define who we are as a congregation and kind of where, where we're going as a church. And so very simply, let me just give them to you. I think the vision of where God is calling us as a church is that we would be, number one, a learning church. Number two, that we'd be a loving church. Number three, that we'd be a praying church. And number four, we'd be a growing church. And it's, it's literally that simple. So when you think about strong and vibrant, spirit-filled churches where God is in their midst, that's what you see. You see those marks, those characteristics. Well, let's look at it. Number one, a learning church. You see it right in verse 42 where Luke tells us that they were devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, I think it would be very tempting here for the early Christians who had just experienced something supernatural. They had just experienced the infilling of the Spirit on Pentecost. And uh, it would be very tempting for them to say, you know, we don't really need to learn anything. I mean, we got the Holy Spirit. We don't need to learn anything. We don't need to study anything. We don't need to apply ourselves to any kind of teaching. We just need more of the Spirit. But they didn't say that. In fact, it was the Spirit's filling at Pentecost that motivated them to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. 
And so I think there's a, there's a cause effect there. I think there's a definite, a definite correlation. Now, what, what, was, what was the apostles' teaching? Well, I, I think the apostles' teaching was everything Jesus taught the apostles. So the apostles were defined basically by they spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week for three years with Jesus. They heard him teach privately. They heard him teach publicly. They were with him all the time. And the word of God was in their midst. And they received the word from the word, Jesus. And then in turn, what they did is they began teaching it to the early believers. And they were devoted to it. Now, church, here's why this is so important. And I, I, I really need you to dial in with me on this one. Uh, because this is, this is why this is so crucial. You know, as I, as I think about what we're experiencing today as a nation, as a culture, uh, as a community, certainly, um, I, I think there's really one word that kind of summarizes and characterizes what we're all going through right now and uh, what we've been going through for the past few years. And uh, I, I think that one word would be chaotic. It feels a little chaotic, chaotic in life, does it not? And, um, and you know, it, it just kind of feels like like something I've never really experienced before. It feels like the earth's just shaking a little bit underneath, underneath our feet. And, so, and it's a little disconcerting. It doesn't have to be. But, but it's definitely something, you know, that I, I think is, is unprecedented, uh, at least in our experience in the United States. And so, so at the heart of this, and I've talked about this in previous sermons, but let me just kind of set up where I'm going with this. I, I think at the heart of this kind of chaos that we're experiencing today is is the rejection of absolute truth. So, so philosophically and culturally, what's happening in our, in our society today is the belief that absolute truth doesn't exist. And, uh, and so as a result of that, you know, everything's getting redefined. And, uh, and so the belief is, well, we, we really, absolute truth doesn't exist. We couldn't know it. So we just kind of create our own truth. You know, you do your truth and I'll do my truth. You live your truth. I mean, that, that whole thing. And, and uh, you know, it sounds really good. I, I mean, it kind of sounds attractive. But, you know, church, when your brain surgeon starts drifting away from absolute truth, it's going to get a little chaotic for your surgery. You guys following what I'm saying? You know, when your airline pilot is uh, drifting a little way uh, from absolute truth, your flight's going to get a little chaotic. And so what we're seeing today in society, as our society more and more rejects absolute truth, we're feeling the chaos of that. If it feels like the ground is shaking underneath your feet, it's because it is. And church, what we're seeing is marriage being redefined, family being redefined, sexuality being redefined, gender being redefined, and words are being redefined. And you know it. We see it every day. We're just getting acclimated to it. We're just trying to navigate it. And then the very institutions that are crucial for holding a society together, the very institutions that are the glue that, that hold us together as a people, those institutions are being de destabilized right now. Marriage, the institution of family, the institution of government and the rule of law, and uh, even in a lot of ways the church with the movement of the progressive church, those things are being destabilized right now, right, right around us. Even, even schools as well. 
And, uh, and so I, I say all of that to kind of set up this one question. And it's this, what are you building your life on? What's the foundation of your life? What are you building your marriage on, your family on, your future on? What's your faith built on? Because I will tell you, I will argue every day that, that there's only one place where you can find security and stability in an insecure and unstable world, and that is the word of God. It's the only place you're going to find it. And uh, there's only one foundation that's worth building your life on. There's only one authority that will never let you down. There is one truth that never changes and will exist for all of eternity. And it is the truth of God's word. And, uh, and so the thing that will stabilize and secure you is anchoring your soul and your heart and your mind to the word of God. And let me just say this, you know, as we kind of celebrate what God has been doing in our student ministry and our kids ministry, you know, if, you know, you're a parent today, you have elementary school kids, you have high school and middle school kids, I, I'm telling you, um, you need to make a commitment to have your kids in our, in our high school ministry, in our middle school ministry, and in our children's ministry. You need to make that commitment today because I'm just gonna say this, church, your kids, without those ministries, they do not have a chance because of the cultural philosophies that are blowing through right now. They will get their lunch eaten and so what we're trying to provide for our kids and our middle school and our high school students is community where they experience love and the word of God where they experience truth that they can build their life on and then to challenge them to go and make a difference in this crazy and confusing world. And so, and so as you're thinking about your fall schedule, as you're thinking about you know, your kids' sports and all their curriculars and all their activities and all of that stuff, man, you need to draw a line on the calendar and says, you know what, we're going to be in church. Uh, because our kids need a, a, an anchor for their soul. And, uh, and so, and if your kids need it, how much, how much more do you, do you need it as well? And so if you're going to build your life on the word of God, uh, then you're going to need to know the Word of God, right? You're going to have to start studying the Word of God. I, I wish I could develop some kind of invention where I could just kind of microwave it for us, you know what I mean? And have it pumped in intravenously or, or just poured into the top of your head and your heart. I wish I could do that. But, but really, when you devote yourself to the Word of God, it's a pathway, and it's just a pathway you walk the rest of your life. And, uh, and God just uses it to shape you and form you, and stabilize you, and to secure you. That's, that's the effect of the word of God in your life. So, so when you sat down today, you'll notice some cards in your seat, uh, and I want you to go ahead and pull those out, and I, I want to highlight a couple of things for you. This fall, this is a great thing for you to consider. Uh, our men's and women's Bible studies will be studying the book of 1 Peter. Interestingly enough, our student ministry will be studying 1 Peter. So we're all going to be kind of clicking on 1 Peter this fall. That's a great opportunity for you to grow. We're offering a couple of classes for you. You're going to be teaching a class on Deuteronomy. And then Pastor Dustin is going to be teaching a class uh, called the Rhythms of Grace. It's on the spiritual disciplines. And this is like, if you want to really learn how to grow, you know, how to get into God's Word, how to pray, how to do those things that will help you to grow, you need to be making you know, those commitments. Um, and so these are just some great opportunities for you. Church, listen to me. 
every one of these environments that we are offering to you, they need to be full of people. They need to be packed full of people because that's how important the word of God is. Now, in the time that we're living right now, more than ever, right? It's more important than ever. And, uh, and so I just want to challenge you to kind of be thinking through that and, and filling that out. Let me just kind of close this, this, this piece of it out by just saying this. The most important decision that you're going to make in your life is who's going to be the authority of your life. That's the most important decision you can ever make. You know, are you going to let tradition kind of dictate your life? Well, we've always done it that way. Or are you going to let culture, are you going to give in and follow the, the philosophies of the culture? Postmodernism, nihilism, secularism, are you going to just go all in with that? Because that's what the world's asking. You know, or, or are you going to kind of just go with what you feel? Well, if it feels good, do it. I just know for the Luck family, you know, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to, we, we're, we're going to, we're going to build our life uh, on the word of God as much as as we can by, by the grace of God. But you're going to have to make that decision. And we are a church unashamedly is going to teach God's word. And we're going to put it right in front of you because we believe it's living and active and life-changing. Everybody get it? So that's the vision of our church. We'd be a learning church. Number two, that we'd be a loving church. Look what Luke says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And so fellowship is really community it's really they were committed to each other they loved each other and if there's anything that should characterize the church of Jesus Christ it should be love that we love each other that we're interested in one another that we care for one another you know fellowship in Greek is the word koinonia and it and it and it literally means in Greek to share something in common what is it that we all have in common in this room today there are a lot of people, there are a lot of us that are different. You know, we've got different backgrounds, different religious experiences, you know, different, you know, different upbringings, different, what, different jobs, whatever. But, but if there's one thing that we have in common, it is we have fellowship with Jesus. That's what 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Church, if you have that in common, you have everything in common. And what you find is your differences, whatever, whatever they are, begin to just melt away in light of the main thing that drives your life. And so that's why the church is the first institution in history to bring Jews and Gentiles together. That's why the church is the first institution in human history to, you know, to bring you know, the poor and rich together, the educated and the uneducated, to bring different races together to bring white collar and blue collar together. Because all of those things, all of those things that separate us out are just superficial. But in the reality of the long run, they don't matter. What matters is we are created in the image of God and loved by him. That's what matters. And so the church really ought to be like the DMV. I'm not kidding. Have you guys been to the DMV lately to get your license renewed? Um, you know, when I, when I went, you know, I, you know, they sit you down in the waiting room and, you know, on, on, the, on the right of me is this real slick looking guy, good looking guy driving a Mercedes Benz, you know. And then on my left is another guy that, you know, his hair's all disheveled and he smells like he hasn't put on deodorant in 10 days, you know what I mean? And I'm sitting right between them and I thought, man, this is a beautiful thing, you know. I mean, there's so much diversity even within the room right now and it can kind of scare you at first you're kind of like whoa what's going on but you know what happens is over time you start talking you start finding out their story you start getting to know them and you're like man you're really cool and uh and so I just think church 
and, and maybe, maybe this is just me, I, I don't think it is, but I think a loving community is a great counterculture to the division and strife that we see all throughout our nation today. I think we are a great answer. I think we're a great counterculture to that. And what typically divides people, whether it's race or social or economic status or political affiliation, it just fades when you realize, man, we are both sinners in need of the grace of God. That's the only thing that really matters. So our vision as a church is to be a church that just expresses love. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is walking in the door. It doesn't matter what, where they've been, what they've done. They're loved by God. Can you imagine a church like that? Can you imagine just people just genuine? And I'm not talking about faking it, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about introverts acting like extroverts. You know what I mean? I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about there's a genuine love, care, and concern. And that should mark the church. It should be the number one thing. And so... We just want to be a place where you can find, you know, one or two 3 a.m. friends. You know what I mean? Uh, friends that you can call at 3 a.m. We want to be a place where even non-Christians can come here and just explore. What does it mean to be a Christian? What is the Bible about? And it's just safe to, to ask those questions. And so my challenge for you today, church, is for you to get connected. Some of you are just sitting in the bleachers. And uh, I don't know... You know, God's invited you into the game. I don't know what you're waiting on, but you need, to, you need to come down off the bleachers and get your helmet on and get in the game. Um, because I, I think now more than ever, God's calling you to do that. Let me, let me give you a couple of ways that you can do that. Uh, August 14th, we're doing a class called Discover Stones. And uh, this is a great way. If you're just new to our church, uh, this is a great way, a great first step for you to connect. Um, you just go and you can meet 10, 15 new friends, which is really the point of what we're trying to do. And then we share a little bit of the history and just kind of philosophy of our church. And then we just open it up for you guys to ask questions. And uh, we do our best to answer all of those questions. And so no obligations, just go where you can make, make some connections. Because church is just all about relationships, right? So we're just trying to create relationships. Uh, we do it through a membership class that we're doing on Saturday, August 27th. Uh, I'm one of the team teachers for the class. We do it from 9 to noon, and, and uh, it, really, it really is a good class. And, and again, it's a great way for you to learn about our church, but also to meet some new friends. We do a thing called Dinner Together. We've already done it a couple times this year where Wednesday night we just get, get a bunch of food, invite you guys to come, and we just hang out and eat. Because there's something about when you're sitting down and sharing a meal together, defenses start to drop and relationships start to build. And we're not a social club, but we are a fellowship. And uh, we're going to have another one of those this, this fall. I, I have some really good news also to share with you. You guys like good news? You want me to share some good news with you? You guys still awake today? Um, I'm really excited to, to be able to share with you. Uh, we have hired uh, a, a Stones member, uh, Laura Colley. And uh, here's her picture and a picture of her family. And uh, we're so excited. We've hired Laura uh, to be our connections director. So we're really excited. Can we just give God a round of applause for that? And uh, she's going to be starting really soon. But we're, we're grateful to just have her on the team. And, and she's, she's going to be, you know, really leading the charge for helping us just get, you know, really good at this connection area. And then I've got even more good news. Uh, I've been 
you know, as a pastor, I've been praying for something for, I don't know, maybe 15 years, and God has finally answered this prayer. I'm so, so excited about it. But we have hired uh, Jacob Smith to be our young adults director. And, uh, and so that's Jacob and his wife, Jenna, and they're new to Stones, and they're going to be leading kind of our college ministry, our young married ministry, and young adult ministry. And so we're so excited because we, we really want to begin uh, discipling and, and passing the baton to the next generation, especially in that age range where so many in that age range are dropping out of church and never coming back. We are taking a step to say there's community here. There's a place for you to grow here. There's a place for you to be a part here. There's a place for you to live on mission here. And Jake's and uh, Jenna are going to be helping us with that. So can we give God a round of applause for that? So every believer is a belonger and every person here has a place because every person is loved. All right, so two more. Let me, let me just kind of wrap this up. We also want to be a praying church. We want to be a praying church. Notice that the early Christians were committed to prayer. Notice what Luke tells us, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, uh, the breaking of bread. That was communion, the Lord's Supper. And then they were devoted to the prayers. They were devoted to coming together corporately and praying together as the body of Christ. That's what they were committed to. And... Uh, and so you see this throughout the book of Acts, that the early Christians gathered repeatedly for prayer. You see it in Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, uh, Acts 6. You see it, and uh, it's just there's recurrence. And you ask the question, why is the church exploding with such growth? How can the church make such an impact on the community? Well, I think the answer is very simple. Prayer. I really do. And so, and so when you look at prayer in the New Testament, what you find is prayer is really dependence on God. Preparation, uh, prayer is not really preparation for the work. Prayer is the work because it's not in my ability. It's not in the pastor's, the staff's ability, you know, to change lives. Only God can transform someone's life. And so prayer is a declaration of dependence on God. And we're asking God to manifest himself in this place in such a way that you see him working and you experience his presence and his power and uh, his life change in your life. We want to be that church. And I love uh, Charles Spurgeon on this. He's got a great quote on this and, and uh, it's very convicting. He says, the, con the condition of the church may be accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So we typically gauge the church by the number in attendance. But what Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers in the history of the church, says, no, the, the, real, the real way to gauge the health of a church is by its prayer meetings. Notice what he says about the prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a graceometer. And from it, we may judge of the amount of, of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, listen to this, if God is going to be near a church, it must pray. It must be a praying church. And says, he be not there, one of the first tokens of his, of his absence will be slothfulness in prayer. And so if you walk into a church and it doesn't seem like God's active there, it's probably because people aren't really praying together. And so over the next year, we're going to be calling you to prayer. We're going to be giving you opportunities to pray corporately. And you say, well, Scott, I just feel a little nervous about praying in public, praying out loud, that kind of thing. Well, listen, church, the way that you learn how to pray is being around other people who are praying. That's how you learn how to pray. 
And so the, the apostles, they got to be around Jesus. They got to hear him pray. And, um, and we get to grow in our knowledge of prayer by being together. By the way, a great place to start is tonight at 6.30 at the Center Grove High School Auditorium. And this is something our church is doing. Our church is leading the charge on this. We, are, we have reached out to all the churches in our community, asking them to join us in this. And uh, we are praying uh, for God to work in our school system this year. We are praying for God to bless our school system this year, and we are praying for God to protect our school system this year. And so we hope that this can spread to Whiteland and uh, it can spread to Perry and Southport and, and uh, even beyond these walls. But we're going to begin tonight at 6.30, and then we're going to disperse to whatever Center Grove school of your choice to really pray for God's working there. But we also have other prayer groups that meet here that we want you to be dialed into because prayer is really the work, right? It's a declaration of dependence on God. Everybody get it? And then, good. Well, last, we want to be a growing church. Let me show you this in verse 47. So when you think about a learning church, a loving church, a praying church, the natural outflow of that is, is growth and kingdom growth uh, as it is. Look at verse 47. Uh, Luke tells us that the Lord and the Lord added to their number uh, day by day those who were being saved. Wouldn't it be amazing, church? Think with me. I mean, just picture this. Wouldn't it be amazing if this were a place where people were coming to Christ every single week? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing that this could be a place where you could invite your family members and friends who are far from God, but they come and they're like, man, God is in this place. God is, God is at work. Well, we want to be that place. And uh, we want to be a place where the gospel is preached, where we unashamedly teach the word of God. We don't back down from that. And uh, as a result, when those two things come together, it could be life-changing in every way. The Lord will add more and more to the number uh, those who are being saved, to the number here. And so that's really the vision of our church. And so I don't want to send you out today thinking, okay, well, man, they've got a lot of work to do. You know, they hope, I want to see all this. No, you're the missionaries. You're, you're the missionaries. Our job is to equip you. Your job is to leave here and to be a learning church, to be a loving church, to be a praying church, to be an evangelizing church. That's on you. And so, and so that's what God has called us to do for such a time of this. It's, it's really the dream for us. Now, let me just kind of, let me kind of finish it this way. You know, that card that I gave you, I want you, I want you to fill that card out and I want you to turn it in. You can turn it in at the info counter. Uh, Trisha will be, Trisha uh, Reif is our communications director. Dustin Crow is our, our discipleship pastor. We've got other staff that will be out there. They'll answer any questions you have about how you can plug in to serve, how you can plug in and start growing in your relationship with God. And it's all about this, church. We don't want to go to church. We want to be the church. And we invite you to join us. Let's pray together. So God, we, we give you praise. We give you glory. Uh, we, we thank you for what you're doing here at Stone's. And uh, we, just, we just give ourselves to you. We ask that this would be a place where the Holy Spirit would be manifested in our midst. We ask that this would be a place where Jesus would be lifted up and glorified. We ask that this would be a place where people are growing in their understanding and their knowledge of your word. We ask that this would be a place where our love is expressed 
very practically, very tangibly. We ask that this would be a place where we shake the gates of hell with our, with our faithful praying. And we ask that this would be a place where lives are being changed every single week. Lord, we confess this is not in ourselves. We don't have strategies. We, we don't have schemes to manipulate this in man's strength. We ask, God, that you would use us in the power of your strength and for your glory and for your good. And so this is, this is where we're going, God. And so we're following hard after you. And so bless us as we go. Fill us with joy. Thank you for all that you're doing here. We ask you to do even more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you tonight at 6.30.